Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. So glad that you stopped by. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And there are things that we need to know how to deal with. And Rachel, I know... You've seen this in your own life, in your own church, in your own neighborhood. I know I've seen it and experienced it. But how in the world can Christians learn how to disagree with each other in a godly way? The most kind of cliche thing that we talk about when we talk about Christians disagreeing, at least to me, I've heard this this over and over and over again as an example to the point that it's cliche, is that Christians will even argue over the color of the carpet in the sanctuary, right? <laughs> yes. You've heard that? Yes. yes. Well, I have to tell you, um, there is a uh, church that I attended, uh, gosh, probably 20 years ago. Beautiful church, lovely people. They had green carpet, and it was a distinct shade of green. How do I describe this? It was not a dark green. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen this shade of green on carpet anywhere before or or since in my life. So it's this very distinct sort of medium medium to light shade of green that you've never really seen before. <laughs> and my understanding is, is that carpet had been in that church for at least a decade or more 20 years ago when I was there. And there was, um, there was disagreements over this green carpet. People wanted to replace it, but there were wooden pews and you were going to have to take out the pews to replace the carpet and that was a a big heavy wooden that was a problem and that was an expense and there were people who after you know so long with this green carpet I guess became attached to the shade of green carpet you certainly (laughs) could not find that shade you could not replace it with anything that looked similar and so I remember 20 years ago you know the debates over what to do with the green carpet and there were you know people for and against the green carpet oh my um, I just heard a couple of months ago uh, that I believe it was this year 20 uh, 20 some years later they finally changed the carpet so that was 20 years after I had been there Wow. <laughs> And, and they had been there at least a decade or more when I got there. So I just sort of giggle at the fact that we, that's like a, a cliche example that you think doesn't really happen. And yet it does. I've been in a church that disagreed over the carpet. Oh, my. Maybe you've been experiencing something like that in your church. Maybe it even caused you to stop going to church because it was such a ridiculous argument. But... It happens every day in our everyday life, too. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. it's in our home. Maybe it's with our neighbors. Maybe it's with our family, extended family, or at work. But there is always something that you can take um, what I call, I'm going to die on this mountain kind of stand. You know, it's I, I have to ask myself sometimes, okay, is this worth dying on the mountain for? I mean, am I willing to take such a stand 
on something that's so insignificant and five years from now won't matter? Or am I going to find a peaceful way to love my neighbor as myself? And boy, Mm -hmm. I use that all the time with my kids when they were growing up. I always ask the question to myself, will this matter five years from now? And if it does, if it's going to mold them into the person they're going to become, then absolutely stand your ground and say what needs to be said. But if it is something that is going to be forgotten a, a week from now or a month from now or five years from now, then we've got to find a way to get along (laughs) and move on. I think where it gets trickier is when we're arguing over things that seem a little closer to, um, let's say, the Word of God. Or, um, for instance, I know there have been disagreements in churches over how to give communion, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and what to use, whether to use bread or wafers or wine or grape juice, and whether to, you know, dunk that bread or everybody sit from the same cup and, you know, all of this. And again, I think on the service level of that, to me, that's not entirely different than arguing over the carpet. The important thing is that we remember Jesus as we partake of communion. Um, But I think because that's uh, more directly tied to the Word of God, I think we start to feel like we need, it has to be done in a certain way and we Mm -hmm. have to defend that way. I I love, love, love my mother-in-law who passed this summer, but I will never forget the argument that was happening in her church. And she called me crying and said, oh, I just don't know what I'm going to do. They're going to take the they're going to take the scarf off the communion table. And I mean, she was melting. And I said, (laughs) honey, honey, really, the scarf is not what it's about. It's okay." I know that that's what you've been used to, and that's what you've gotten accustomed to, but that is not what matters. And man, I mean, it's easy to say that when you're not invested in that, but when we've grown up with tradition, it's more about like what you do at Christmas time as a tradition or at Easter time or Fourth of July, you start putting these traditional type things in your in your walk with Christ and all of a sudden you you want to go to the mat to defend it mm-hmm. yeah and there are examples in the New Testament where um, as the Gentiles began to you know come to a saving knowledge and belief in Christ um, the the Jewish believers, who were sort of um, leading churches around and in homes and small towns started saying that they needed to um, abide by all those Old Testament laws that you were just mentioning, rules. And and, um, so they were telling these grown men that you now have to be circumcised. So you can imagine that created a bit of an uproar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it took the Apostle Paul coming in to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, these these things are not, those things are outward symbols of, of, of devotion to Christ, but they are not part of the, the, the law of God to be followed. And, um, you know, it, it, faith is a work of the heart, not of the body or what we put in the body or on the body. Um, 
So it, it's common. It's been happening since literally the beginning of, of our faith, um, the, the days of, of Christ, and that we get caught up and start majoring on the minors, and we get confused about what is important to die on the hill of and what we need to let go. Absolutely. And there are so many times that we can look at a passage in the Bible and we can pull it out of context and and just wrap any any kind of tradition we want around that particular passage. And yet, if you look at the Bible as a whole and you look at the way Jesus lived his life, I mean, really, that that is what we should be following. The way that Jesus lived his life was he loved God and he loved others. He loved God and he loved others. And so when people that were trying to trap him into traditions and rules and regulations, he always chose love (laughs) instead. You know, when they were trying to stone the woman, who was caught caught in adultery? Uh, he did not. He did not condemn. condemn her, but he also didn't say anything to cause a fight with these people who had made the rules and regulations and were stomping their foot, saying, "What are you going to do about this?" No, nope. mm-hmm. he bent down. He got on the same level with her, and got in the dirt with her, and said. Hey, who's condemning you now? I'm not going to condemn you. And and to me, what better vision, what better uh, description of how we live life than when somebody is beating us up or coming at us with, you're not following the rules and that's not fair and you shouldn't do it this way, no matter what the controversy is. If we could just step back and say, okay, I am going to choose not to get involved in that argument because what does um, Corinthians 10.5 tell us? Uh, It says, break down those strongholds and those arguments and hold those thoughts obedient to Jesus because those strongholds and those arguments are never going to gain people's following for Jesus, they're not ever going to be something that people say, wow, I want to be part of that. When when mm-hmm. when you hear arguments, it just divides. And mm-hmm. Jesus was all about bringing people together and showing them love. So I'm now just imagining maybe that will be my, no, my new go-to strategy for when uh, people are, are disagreeing. I'm just going to squat down I'm going to write something in the dirt or the sand or the carpet that nobody can tell. (laughs) And then I'm going to stand up and look at everybody and say, go and send no more. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Think that'll work for me? (laughs) I I mean, how could it not? I mean, really, when we follow Jesus's example, come on. I mean, that's exactly what he was showing us, that we can stand over people and say, you are wrong. This is not what the Bible says. This is exactly the way you should do it. And what that does when you start pointing the finger and telling people how wrong they are, 
then there's something that that finger does that you don't even anticipate. And I've watched it happen over and over and over throughout my life. When you see that finger of accusation come out and start pointing at someone, it starts pushing them, pushing them. Oh, you may not see it, but it's pushing them farther and farther away from the God you claim to love. What God encourages us to do in Romans 14 is build each other up in righteousness, in peace, in joy. Those are the important things that Paul says we really need to do. And as Christians, uh, why we do something is more important than what we do. I want to say that again. Yes. Why we do things is more important than what we do. So if you see someone doing something that's bringing people together and bringing people to Christ, why would we ever not agree with that and and build them up and say, okay, that's a good thing. But if we're doing it for the wrong reasons and if uh, if what we're doing has more to do with puffing our, our own selves up or following a tradition instead of Christ, then it's a, it's a red flag. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is, is also echoed right there in the 14th chapter of Romans, some about, around about you know, 15, 16, 17 verses. Basically, Paul is saying disagreements about eating and drinking or you know, the color of the carpet, all of those sorts of things, He's saying they are not important in the kingdom of God. What is important in the kingdom of God is building each other up in righteousness, peace, and joy. Mm -hmm. So you are right on with that. It is much more important about why we're doing what we're doing, and it is much more important that the primary thing is not policing everybody into what we think is the right way to behave, but rather to encourage people to follow their own convictions, to seek God, to live in peace and in unity. You know, I I just talked on this topic of judging uh, recently and was telling about when Jesus uh, went to the fig tree and the fig tree did not bear fruit. And so he said, you'll never bear fruit again. And it withered all the way down to the roots And when you look at that story, just that quick little story in Matthew, you're like, what in the world? Was he was he hangry? What was going on with that? (laughs) But no, he was talking about when we get so wrapped up like the Pharisees had been and they were all about the rules. You could trace it all the way back to Genesis when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of Uh, knowledge of the good and evil of knowing Mm -hmm. good and evil all of a sudden something happened and they were now feeling like they could judge not only judge other people but judge themselves because now they knew good from evil and they felt like they all of a sudden could say, wow, I'm not good enough. I'm going to have to go get some fig leaves and sew them together to cover myself and to cover my shame. And so we've spent the rest of our 
existence getting these needles and sewing these fig leaves together and we're always comparing ourselves like ooh well maybe i'm not quite as bad as that person or maybe i at least i don't do what they're doing and we start looking at others and we judge and we realize we're really not up to par in our own eyes because we know good and evil just enough to be judging wrongly. But here's what God says. All these years, all these centuries that you have been taking the fig leaf and trying to sow all of your judgmental ways and cover up your sin, I sent my son so that he could trade your needle for his nail. And that's the way we live. That's the way we need to live. Not judging others for the things that we think they're doing wrong. We think that they just don't have it right. No, let's look at the way Jesus lived and the way that he came to earth so that we would no longer need the fig leaf and the needle and sewing our own coverings of all the things that we think are wrong. Nope. He took care of that. You know, talking about um, Adam and Eve and eating of the tree and then having the knowledge and then becoming judgmental. You know, uh, it feels bad when we are wrong and we know that we're wrong. Mm-hmm. It feels good when we are right and we know that we are right. It, the honest truth is there is some degree of pleasure in it for us when we look at other people and what they're doing wrong and we judge them for mm. it because we are standing in a place of rightness that feels good. You know, uh, it feels terrible when we're wrong, right? When we mess up, when we fail, that feels aw- regret feels awful. Absolutely. Um, we never want to feel that. Do you know what it feels like to be wrong? Oh, yes. Actually, we know what it feels like when we are conscious of the fact that we're wrong. Right. What it feels like to be wrong and not be conscious of the fact that you are wrong, that feels like being right. Mm. Say that again. (laughs) We only feel bad when we're wrong, when we're conscious that we're wrong. We recognize that we're wrong. But there are plenty of times that we are wrong. We're not conscious of it yet. And therefore, we feel right. Mm -hmm. So we have to recognize as we judge other people, they may be in that space of feeling right and not being conscious Mm -hmm. of, of being wrong. And at that given time, it could be that we ourselves are in that space of being wrong and not being conscious of that. And I think this is why the Bible teaches us, hey, don't judge one another. Leave that to God. He is the only one who fully understands. Um, the rest of us all have a mixed bag of truth and opinion and tradition and misperception. Well, absolutely. And we are all flawed. We are all messed up. That's why we need a Messiah, right? We say that all the time. But, you know, in in this world, 
there are always going to be disagreements. But as Christians, we have to know that there's a better way to handle disagreements and uh, arguments even, to not even let it go there, to just stop in our tracks and say, Lord, this is your battle, and I want to love my neighbor as myself. I want to do the things that you demonstrated and you showed in the way that you lived when you were on earth. So God, I can't do that on my own. I am weak and I am going to mess it up every time. But you give me strength to handle these disagreements with godly responses. And when we do that, Romans 15 says we bring glory to God when we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. I can't say it any better than the Apostle Paul, um, and, and I, we can't live it any better than, than Jesus has lived it. But I think that's the, um, the primary challenge, right? The Great Commission, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and love others as you love yourself. Love others more than you love the carpet. (laughs) (laughs) I think what we've landed on here from from Romans 14 is that we are to follow our conscience, but we are also to allow other people to follow theirs. And we're not to judge them for how they see a particular issue. We're supposed to love them despite any of the issues. I love it. And may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time.